Good morning. Glad you could join us again for another virtual service uh, here at the Vineyard. This morning I want to talk about some things that have been on my mind um, as I look at a particular passage dealing with the life of Paul in the book of Philippians. Uh, I want to start by reading from Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I invite you to join with me, and uh, if you have your Bible handy, I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation. But Philippians 1, starting in chapter 3, Paul writes and he says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Few have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and my defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you. And I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. In this letter that Paul writes, we find Paul is in a less than ideal situation. Here's the setting. Let me give you a little bit of a a backstory uh, on this. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi with whom he had a close relationship. If you've read through the book of Acts, this is where, this is the city where he meets uh, Lydia, the the seller of purple. Uh, This is where he was thrown in jail with Silas. And while he's at midnight, while they're uh, singing and worshiping to God in the midst of a jail cell, suddenly there was an earthquake and the doors flew open and stocks came off their feet. And then the, uh, ends up with the Philippian jailer being converted, coming to faith in Christ along with his whole family. And so the church at Philippi was born. <clears throat> so Saul's writing to a church with which he has some history. In fact, he has a close relationship with them. They heard that he is now imprisoned in Rome, and they sent him a financial gift to help him out, and this letter actually serves as a receipt for that gift. So that's the backstory. But now he's imprisoned in Rome. Now this current imprisonment is different than the one in Philippi. In Philippi, you had more of what you would think of traditionally as an ancient jail cell. You know, he's in chains, he's, his, his feet are in stocks, he's got, there's a guard at the door. Um, but when he was imprisoned in Rome, it was a little different situation. It's actually more of a house arrest. He was in a house where he was free to have uh, visitors come to him and tend to his needs and so forth. People could bring him food and, and, and books and supplies. But he was chained to a Roman guard. And he also knew that there was a good chance that um, he was going to be executed before this was all said and done. That's the situation as he wrote this letter. He was confined to the house, chained to a Roman guard. 
He couldn't go out and preach, couldn't go out and minister to people. He faced an uncertain future. As I looked at Paul's situation, there's a few things which stood out to me. So I want to give you just a few observations and how we might apply them in our current situation with this COVID-19 pandemic. No, we're not sitting in a, in a, in a, uh, under house arrest, although some may feel like it with the current stay-at-home home order. Um, but there, there, there are some similarities in how we can approach our situation as to how Paul approached his. The first observation I made is this. Difficult circumstances don't have to dictate our attitude. They really don't. Paul was no stranger to difficult situations. Being imprisoned in Rome was certainly not easy. I mean, every time, every time he moved his arms, just the weight and the clinking of the chains was a constant reminder to him that he was a prisoner. He had no privacy at all. I mean, a Roman soldier was always just, just a few links away on the chain. Uh, uh, and, and yet in the midst of all this, as you read through the entire letter, which we won't take time to do right now, but as you read through the letter, there was an attitude of joy that he maintained all throughout it. In fact, in fact, as you read the letter, joy and rejoicing, that's the recurring theme throughout the entire four chapters. And this as he's writing as he's under house arrest. He's talking about joy and he's talking about rejoicing. He can do that because our attitude as we go through difficulty, as we go through any situation, our attitude is, one, is something that we, can choi- that, that we can choose. We choose to be joyful or we choose not to be joyful. We have control over that. We choose to be joyful. In this current pandemic, there are so many things that we can focus on. You know, being ordered to, to shelter in place and stay home. We can't dine out. It has to be through carry out or delivery. Can't go to a basketball, can't, can't, can't even watch a basketball game live on TV. Maybe recordings of, of, of old games, and who wants to do that? Can't go on a trip, can't go shopping, you know, except to the grocery store to get some groceries, if whatever they have in stock, and then come home. So many things we can't do. But one thing we can do is we can still choose joy. That's something that nobody can take from us. We can choose to be grateful of unexpected blessings. Take time to just, you know, the, the time we have to just slow down. Time we have to spend with family. Time to catch up on things around the house. Unexpected blessings where there's an interruption. It's, it's, it's a little bit like um, a snow day in the middle of winter that just uh, interrupts everything. Second thing I want us uh, to see from this passage is that difficult circumstances don't have to limit our ability to reach out to others. When Paul was stuck in the house, he couldn't go out and preach as he typically would. He couldn't go out to the synagogue and begin teaching about Jesus. So he looked around and he said, what, what can I do? What can I do? And then he looked around, and as he looked around, he saw the Roman guard standing there. And he saw the chain connecting the two of them. I think he just, maybe he was just moving his hand one time and he looked at the chain and he just followed it to the end and saw the guard standing there. And instead of thinking, man, I'm captive in this place. There's nothing I can do. I can't do anything. He thought, 
Wow. I've got a captive audience. This guy can't go anywhere. And he struck up a conversation with him. Here's what we need to see. When Paul wasn't able to share the good, the good news of the gospel in a way that he normally would, he looked for another way. He found another way. Right now, we're not able to gather for church services as we normally would. But we are able to still do ministry and reach out in other ways. We can participate on ser- with services uh, online like this one today. We can practice community by, by staying connected with phone or text or social media. We can check up on people, asking, you know, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Somebody just called me a little while ago before I started this and said, hey, I just want to know, how are you doing with all this? Is there anything you need? How, you know, it, it's, how can we help people? How can we minister to people? See, and it's not just friends in our church. But others from our neighborhood or from, that we know from the workplace. Think about the people that you know and ask yourself, who do I know that's high risk? Who do I know that doesn't have a strong connection to a community of believers? Who do I know that maybe lives alone or is elderly? Who do you think is most affected by this stay-at-home order? Take a minute. Pray. Ask the Lord for maybe a few names, three names, five names, whatever, just a few names of people that he would like you to reach out to and then write those names down and then commit, saying, Lord, with your help, I'm going to stay in touch with these people. I'm going to be sending texts. I'm going to be calling just to check in and, or maybe sending a card. Just let them know that there's somebody thinking about them, somebody praying for them, that they matter to somebody. Ask if they need anything. Hey, do you have enough food in the house? Is there anything you need that you're needing? Do you have enough meat? Or do you have uh, supplies? Do you have enough toilet paper? Do you have enough laundry soap? Um, does, you know, if you've got family in the house, do they think you have enough deodorant? You know, whatever it is, just, you know, to stay in touch. Let's look out for the people in our neighborhoods, the people who, who we know who are struggling with health issues and who may not have family close by. The point is this, just because we can't gather for service on Sunday, doesn't mean that we can't care for each other in other ways and communicate with people in other ways and let them know that they matter to us. Third thing from this passage, difficult circumstances can open up new doors. When Paul was under house arrest in Rome, he had an open door to him that nobody could have foreseen. See, what originally looked like the closing of his door is on, a, on his ability to spread the gospel. He's under arrest. He's, he's under house arrest, and so he can't go out and he share, can't share the gospel. It was actually a wide-open opportunity to take the gospel where it hadn't yet been able to penetrate. I want you to listen to what he says in Philippians 1, chapter, or, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. He said, everything that has happened to me, that's the imprisonment. 
That's his situation of being chained to a guard. That's the difficult circumstance he was in. Everything that has happened to me has helped spread the good news. Why is that? It wasn't just to one guard, but when that, when that guard was switched out and another one took their shift, he had a whole new audience to share with. And going through the palace guard like that, you know, sharing with one after the other, the gospel went throughout the palace. And that which the enemy meant for harm was actually used by God to open doors for the gospel to spread throughout the entire palace guard. I mean, that's, that's the kind of perspective that we need to have, not to see our difficulties and difficult circumstances as obstacles, but to see them as opportunities, to see them as open doors, and to look for those open doors that God is, is uh, uh, bringing our way. See, as a, a result of Paul's imprisonment, the gospel spread throughout the whole palace guard and even into Caesar's own household. The chains were no longer a restriction. They became an open door. One final thought. I believe it's time for a new normal. In fact, that's what I'm praying for. I'm fully looking forward, believe me, I'm fully looking forward to the, the day we can come back together, we can all see each other face to face in this room and, and, and worship God together and fellowship together. I've missed that. May we, may we never take that freedom for granted. But we've also seen good things happening these last few weeks. We've seen social media flooded with the gospel and with scriptures, and with testimonies. We found new ways to practice community. We've seen a new level of people reaching out to each other and caring for each other. We've been able to slow down, take a step back, and give more attention to things that really matter. I was out for a walk yesterday with uh, 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 the grandkids, and as as we walked around our neighborhood, so many people were out, and we were able to connect. I was able to meet people and able to see people that, that you know, still while maintaining that, that uh, social distancing of six feet, but everybody was just out enjoying a beautiful day. That wouldn't have happened if we were all busy with our normal lives, with work and everything else that, that just takes so much of our time all the time. Let's not lose those things that we have gained. Let's not lose those things when this pandemic is over and restrictions are lifted. Let's continue to look for new ways to reach out, new ways to love, new ways to care for each other. Let's continue to look for new doors that God is opening up instead of just going back to life as usual. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your care for us during this time. I thank you that you are always near and that you always hear us. For those who are sick, we ask that they would get well. For those who are not sick, we pray that we stay healthy. Give wisdom and give guidance to our leaders as they navigate through these difficult times. Our eyes are on you, Lord, as we look to you with our hearts full of hope and expectation and confidence in your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me leave you with this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and may he give you peace, that peace that passes only understanding, that peace in our heart that only comes from him and that is available in spite of any difficult circumstance. God bless you.